This morning we continue in chapter 1 of James, beginning with the 19th verse. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's angry does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so disturb yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The word of the Lord. Some years ago, I was um, at a neighborhood park playing with a, a preschooler who is now a senior in decade of this church. So you can tell how many years ago it was. Um, and in this neighborhood park, there was this there was this pipe that um, that was low enough to the ground that it was meant to be a, a communication vehicle. It was it was a pipe at one end cone shaped so that someone could speak at one end and if you were at the other end you could hear what that person was saying no matter how low their voice might be and so the toddler and I were were uh, exchanging communications it was about a 30-foot pipe and I noticed that as long as I was nearby at the end listening um, I could hear every word he said but if I stepped no more than a foot away from that pipe, the, the noise, the surrounding noise and, and other things did not allow me to hear his voice or what he said. And, and I think that's what James has in mind in this section of, of chapter one. He's talking about paying attention, listening intently, staying connected, having a pipeline of communication with God so that you're able to live out God's perfect will for you, that you're able to carry out the desires of God for you and your life in this world, so that you're able to hear God's word and do God's word, so that you're able to, um, to have the salvation that God has begun in Jesus Christ be made complete in you, so that God's word, both that word of instruction and that word of 
of, of hope and of gospel life may indeed give you life. James is one of those books of the Bible that is hard to swallow. I, I don't know about you, but reading it is not easy. It's, it's a difficult read. In fact, it reminds me of my principle about scripture in general, and that is it's meant to be taken seriously, but not always literally. If you try to do what James says literally, you're, you're gonna find yourself um, somewhat confused. Um, James is a very early writing in Christendom, and, and it's important for us to remember when he talks about listening to the word of God, there is no New Testament at that time. It's not being circulated. There might be a few letters of Paul that have started, but, um, but they haven't quite been circulated enough that everyone reads them. And so when he's talking about listening to the word of God, he's thinking of the people gathered much like they would in the synagogue and the Hebrew scriptures being read and then attended to. And then with that comes also the oral tradition of Jesus' life, the story of his life and his teaching. All of that would have been part of their gathering together and their instruction. And that's what he means by hearing the word of God and listening to it. While there are parts of James that are hard to swallow and, and not to be taken literally, there are other segments that just sort of grab you and they're hard to dismiss. He has some real gems, and, and he's very good at, at offering like proverbial sayings of wisdom that, that is true most of the time in life. It's just flat out true, and you ought to do what it says. And this opening line of, in verse 19 is one of those. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, I doubt that most of us sitting here today say, okay, pastor, you can move on. I've got that one. I, I do that all the time. That's my MO. I, people say that about me all the time. I'm such a good listener. Um, I'm, I'm describing all of us, not, not me. I'm, no, we all know that that one just gets us. Um, it's more than just... One of those simple reminders that we have two ears and one mouth and that we should use them in that proportion. <laughs> that was a big laugh. Um, in other words, listen twice as much as we speak. And if we did that, then, then we would be so much more enjoyable to be with. But I think this is a reminder that goes far beyond that. James is concerned with living a godly life that embodies the teachings of Scripture and the, and the exemplary life Jesus led here on earth, and that that's reflected in the choices that we make, especially choices we make in relationship to brothers and sisters in Christ, as well as those outside the body of faith. He's not just... Um, it's not just about learning to listen more and perhaps listen better, but to listen attentively, to be aware of what is going on both inside of us as well as outside of us, to just pay attention when we're engaged in a conversation with someone else. 
Um, I think what James is talking about here is the difference between responding to something we hear and reacting to something we hear. I think when our lives are centered in God's word and we ourselves are centered, that we're, that we're learning to live according to this word and, and we're mindful of what's going on in us and in the world, um, then I think we're more likely to respond to someone based on what it is we hear. But when we're not centered, when things of this world have us stirred up and we're feeling anxious and we're feeling uh, disappointed and hurt and resentful, um, or there's a certain amount of stress in life and just uh, daily anxiety, when that has, uh, when that preoccupies us, then chances are when someone says something to us, we read a lot more into that than what it is they might be saying, and we react. And that reaction can easily sound like anger or, or move toward anger. So we need to be mindful or pay attention to what what is being evoked in us when someone's saying something, whether there's a threat or a hurt or some kind of discontent in us that's going on, and maybe we need to say to that person, you know, I, excuse me, but I'm trying to listen to you, but something else is speaking to me as well here, and I just need some time. I need to step away from this conversation, or I need to reflect more on what's going on inside me. If you're like me, you do that after the fact, after you've already said something you regret and you have to go back to that person and say, I don't know what was going on, but it wasn't about you, and I'm sorry. And, um, in other words, listening is more than auditory. It's not just what we hear. It's ad attitudinal as well. It's what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we're, how we're presenting ourselves. I love this, maybe this will illustrate it for us. I love this sketch of Dennis the Menace. He's in his rocking chair facing the corner, which you would know if you've ever seen Dennis the Menace, he's been given a timeout. And timeouts are good things. We, as adults, we probably should apply them to ourselves more often. We should just take a timeout. But he's in this timeout mode, and you don't realize it, but the the next frame you see that his friend Joey is standing there. And the caption reads, Dennis is saying to his friend, you better go home, Joey, because when my time is up, I've got something to say that's going to put me right back here. <laughs> now that's self-awareness. You know, that's, he really understands what's going on. Um, but anger is that assertive reaction that often carries with us, with it, our own sense of self-justification. If I can just get my point across, if I elevate my voice, if I command this person's attention, if I just get time to convey what my point of view is, of course they're going to say, you're right. It doesn't work that way. Have you ever noticed? The person is not grateful for my elevated tone and my, and my reaction. They're like, what's going on? And James's point is, 
that's not going to bring about God's righteousness. Now, that sounds very lofty and very religious and very spiritual, but we just sing what he means by that earlier in that hymn where it's talking about the kingdom of God, where all is just and all is right. You know what that feels like when you're in the company of others or you're in a situation or circumstance and you know that people are being heard whether they're in the minority or in the majority, that they're all is just. And there's a sense of everything's equal and people are valued and appreciated. There's not disrespect being thrown around. There's not people being maligned. But it's just. And relationships honor God and build up one another. That's what righteousness is, where relationships are working to everyone's benefit. And James says, if, if you're not careful, anger will destroy that. And he's saying, of all places where we've got to practice getting that right, it ought to be here when we're in church. Not just in a setting like this, or, but we are Christ's body. We are the church, whether it's here or elsewhere. Wherever we are, we are honoring um, the use of words and the way in which we hear and listen to one another and respond to one another. James continues this theme of listening. Once he's spoken of how we listen to each other, he goes on to talk about how we listen to the Word of God. And that if we're not careful, we're going to deceive ourselves. We're going to think whatever we've taken in, it's become part of us, and we've got that, and we can move on. And we don't really need... Um, more than just hearing the Word of God read and, and a good story or something inspirational from one of the pastors, and we're good for another week. By the end of that week, if I don't get back there, I might be, I might be further away from the Word of God. And so James says, it's so very important that you bring your attitude to how you hear Scripture that you listen attentively and responsively to what Scripture says so that you receive it with humility, is the way our translation had. The word there is also meekness, that you're in a posture, in a position that says, I have something to learn. And that ought to be our life uh, objective, that we never stop learning when it comes to the Word of God that we need to be mindful that we have feelings of hostility, of malice, and of envy, that, that the world tells us we, we ought to focus on ourselves more because that's the only way we're going to be content and satisfied is if we go after what it is we need. And yet Scripture tells us differently. And that's what James is talking about. If you're not staying in a pipeline of communication with God and God's Word, then you're easily going to be influenced in a different direction. We are a tradition, the Reformed tradition is a tradition of confession. That means more than just simply the fact that we make these prayers about our need for God and that we fall short of living according to God's Word. It also means confession in the sense of what it is we believe 
to be true about God, what it is we believe to be about, true about human nature and our need for Christ to be our mediator and Savior and Lord. And within our book of confession, there's this one, there's this one uh, section called the latter, larger catechism. You're familiar with the shorter catechism, that great question of what is the chief end of man? To love God and to enjoy Him forever. Um, but here's question 160 of the larger catechism. What's required of those that hear the word preached? Have you ever thought of that? That there's a requirement of you when you walk in or you cross the threshold of the sanctuary? That there's something going on when the word of God is proclaimed? And here's the answer. It's required of us that we hear the word of God preached and attend upon it with diligence preparation and prayer, that we examine what we hear with the Scriptures, that we receive the truth with faith, love, meekness, there it is again, and readiness of mind as the Word of God, that we meditate and confer on it, that we hide it in our hearts, and that we bring forth the fruit of it in our lives." Wow, is that what you're doing when you, when you get ready to hear the Word of God being read? That's a pretty serious attenuation to the Word of God. So James says, make sure you, when you hear what's being said, that you act on it. In fact, the Gospel of Mark is this way, and many of the Gospels are this way. Whenever Jesus speaks and He's saying something that's true about the Gospel, if you act on what you hear, then you get more. You move further in and you better understand who Jesus is and what he's about, and, the, and his teaching begins to enfold you. But if you hear something Jesus says and you don't act on it, you move further away. And before long, you're, you're, you're no longer in range. You're no longer able to comprehend what Jesus means or what he's about. And so the Gospels have that quality to it, that the words of Jesus matter, and what we do with them matters. And that's exactly what James is saying. He says, it's, if you don't do that, then here's what it's like. It's like looking at yourself in a mirror and walking away and forgetting what you look like. Now, we look at that and we think, what a terrible illustration, because uh, we have mirrors with us all the time. And if you don't have a mirror, you can take a selfie and see what you look like immediately, right? I mean, we are never far from knowing what we look like. And we, we look at ourselves a lot. In the New Testament, they didn't have photographs. They, very few people had their portrait done. I mean, that was extremely rare. And so, even people who had mirrors, and the mirrors weren't good quality, they were very smoky and all that sort of thing, even if someone had a mirror and you had an opportunity to look at it, you wouldn't be looking at it for very long, and so it's over with. It's that short. Now, I think James is trying to do something here. He's like, you aren't going to have a good sense of what you look like, but everybody else sees you all the time. They know who you are. And so James is saying, be careful lest you deceive yourself into thinking you're somebody you're not, or that you're paying attention 
to God's Word and you're acting it out in your life when in fact you may not be. You may be further from it than you realize. As you know, cars come equipped with three standard mirrors. There's the, the driver looks to his, his or her left, and there's one on the outside on the left and one on the outside on the right, and then there's one mounted on the um, windshield. Thank you. I'm so glad you're attentive and paying attention. <laughs> on the windshield to, to see backward. One day I'm driving on Highway 101 going south, and it's that section of as you're approaching San Francisco and there starts to be this ascent as you're moving toward the Golden Gate Bridge. And then you get up to the summit, you go through the tunnel, and you go down, right? Well, as you go up, the traffic is really fast in that section, and there's curves. And if you're not paying attention, you have to really pay attention to your driving. And I noticed this car came up alongside me rather quickly, and I glance over, and this man has a fourth mirror in his car. And I thought, what is he looking at? I just, I noticed that he was staring kind of my way, but he wasn't looking at me. And then I realized there is a mirror mounted on his door between the outside mirror and his steering wheel. And he's admiring himself driving. <laughs> he's like, you know, he's checking himself out. And and I don't know if he was trying out for some part and he needed to see what, what his reaction was behind the wheel. I don't know what that was about. But I thought, man, this man is self-possessed. He, he can't stop looking at himself in a mirror. He's never going to forget what he looks like. I don't think that's what James was talking about. I think James is saying, yeah, we can be like that. You can either forget what you look like or you can be so obsessed with what you look like, but he's saying, pay attention to who you are and whether the Word of God is taking hold in your life and it's being manifest in behavior that makes a difference. Otherwise, we're going to deceive ourselves. I don't know about you, but some people make difficult lessons look very easy because they, they've become so proficient at what they're doing that you think, I can do that. And one of the reasons we're in a community of others who share faith is we see faith being exemplified in someone else's life and we think, I can be like that. We see someone giving sacrificially and we think, that inspires us to want to do that. We see someone loving somebody who, who doesn't love them back. And that inspires us because Jesus said to, to love those who hate us, to love our enemies as ourselves, not just love the people who are going to love us back. And so this, this sense of, of others doing it well makes us feel like, well, we can do it too. It was about 23 years ago. We're in Tahoe City as a family on vacation. Mark and Carrie had become very proficient. They're, they're in their later elementary school age and they were very proficient at rollerblading. Um, and I thought, wouldn't it be a fun family outing if all of us went rollerblading together? And we would go on one of the paths in Tahoe City. There's a lot of friendly 
walking paths and that go just along the forest edge. And I thought, what a wonderful day to spend the afternoon. And I said, Katie, you, you skated when you were a kid, and, and I've skated, so let's rent some skates and we'll join the kids and do that. I should have paid attention when the clerk who was renting us the skates was trying to encourage me to buy insurance. And I said, oh, no, no, we don't need that. And he goes, um, it's a good idea, you know. And, and I'm thinking, you know, what does he know about my ability to skate, you know? So never, nevertheless, he, you fill out all this paperwork. And, and let me just tell you in advance that filling out the paperwork and getting the skates took longer than returning them. Because outside of the store was a 10-foot slope of a drive that went, that we were going to go down and then turn to the left onto the sidewalk. But if you didn't turn, you would go right into the oncoming traffic. <laughs> and of course, I thought I would go first. Mark and Carrie just went down there immediately and turned to the left. And, and I thought, I'll go next. And I look at Katie and I'll say, I'll go. And then you follow. And as I started down the hill, I didn't know how to stop. <laughs> and I thought, that insurance might have been a good idea. <laughs> well, needless to say, all I could do was slide. I just immediately went into a sliding motion, hit the ground, and skidded for about four or five feet and came to a stop. And as I tried to get up with a... With a a rash as well as uh, bumps and bruises to my side, I motioned to Katie, don't try this. <laughs> Took off the skates, went, hobbled back up to the top of the hill, got her to take off her skates, and we returned them. <laughs> and Mark and Carrie enjoyed rollerblading, and our family event that night was dinner, shared, a shared dinner. <laughs> there are people who make things look easy. The lessons of life look very easy, but we know better. It takes practice. It takes effort on our part. And so James is saying, don't deceive yourself into thinking you can do this, but practice it. Make it become part of you. And so he goes on to, he uses that same word deceive one more time. He says there are people who who want to live out their religion out in public so that everyone can see. And he goes, you know, the, be careful. You'll deceive yourself if you don't rein in your tongue. See, he's constantly talking about what we say and what we do. And he uses the same idea of listening by talking about looking. He said, look intently into the law. Well, they didn't have the scriptures with them at home. They when they came together at the synagogue, the scriptures were read. And so by look intently, he's talking about the same idea of listening. Just pay careful attention to this because it's life-giving. It makes all the difference. And so he says, if you're not careful, you're going to deceive yourself into thinking you can live a certain way. And I don't think James is talking here about keeping the law in the old Testament way of keeping it, where we justify our standing before God. But rather, he's talking about the law that Jesus fulfilled for us. 
and I think James Dunn, the scholar, says this really well. Jesus had to show us by his own example how to love our neighbor operated and what it looked like and how it fulfilled the law and how it did so as a principle to be implied in light of any given circumstance rather than a rule that should be implied whatever the circumstance. In other words, um, he says, you want an example of what it looks like to live such righteousness? Then instead of being concerned about your own suffering and your own threat to you, which we read about, at the, which Brenna preached about last week, he says, then pay attention to people who have it worse than you are. Widows and orphans in their distress. You think you're in distress. They have no one to look after them. And he uses this very specific example, not to say that fulfills the law, but that's what I'm talking about. If Learn to see people the way God sees them and to see this world from his perspective. And then allow the word of Christ and the word of God to dwell in you so that you live it out on a regular basis. And it's recognizable for all to see. Amen.